Merry Christmas, church, and we're just so glad to get to celebrate Jesus together with you and your families. Uh, we just are grateful. I see a lot of guests today, and we hope you feel right at home. And we also have many that can't be here in person that are watching with us online. Would you do me a little favor? Let's spread some Christmas cheer, and would you put your hands together and show some love to those on the live stream? God bless you. Thank you for being with us. We're glad uh, that you're here and they mentioned a couple of things during our announcements that I just want to uh, really re-mention so that you remember them. First of all, we're not going to have our regular Wednesday night uh, ministries these next two weeks. This is our winter break, and so December 27th and January 3rd, we won't be meeting for Wednesday night life, but we're going to be going back strong uh, in January on January the 10th. But there are some great things still happening this week. Uh, first of all, Celebrate Recovery is going to be going on on Tuesday nights here in Iowa Park. And we also have it now in Vernon on Thursday nights, both at 6.30. So you can be a part in Iowa Park at 6.30 on Tuesdays or 6.30 on Thursdays in Vernon. And we just invite you to get involved in this life-changing ministry. And I also want to tell you about something it's not just Lakeview, but I'm going to be involved in, and I want to invite you to be a part of. It's a healing revival called the Healing Impact of God. Does anyone believe God still answers prayer? And we just want to go forth with that message, and I'm so honored to be just invited to play a small role in this. It's going to be this Saturday, completely free event. It's going to be at the K. Yeager Coliseum starting at 1230. They will have concessions open and things like that where you can buy food. It's going to be a, a full event. Uh, there's going to be teaching about healing and not only about what the Bible says about it, but what it says that you don't just have to have a special person wearing a microphone pray for you. Aren't you glad we're the body of Christ and we can pray one for another and stand upon the word? Uh, but we're also just trusting God to do what only he can do. We've been seeing him do miraculous things in our church and in our community through the power of prayer. And I'm excited to be joining with other ministries and pastors, uh, not only in the area, but across the nation and just seeing God do something that only he can take credit for. So if you know someone uh, that would be interested in this or that is in need of healing, uh, please invite them, bring them. That's this Saturday, and uh, that is uh, December 30th. It'll start at 1230. Doors will open at 11. We still could use some help with ushering and, and greeting people. If you're interested in that, we had several from First Service volunteer. If you would just let me or Pastor Mark know after service, we can get you connected with that. But this morning... It is part four in the final installment of our message series entitled, Why Was I Born? And we talked about in week one that uh, we were born to die. And that just like Jesus, we're looking at him as our example. He came into this earth knowing what his destiny was on the cross. And while we might not know how we're going to die someday, we know if Jesus doesn't come back first, we will face what the Bible calls that last final enemy of death. And we want to make sure we use our time wisely. And that's why our days really matter. And the second week was entitled Born to Live. And about living a life that actually has purpose. That actually makes a difference in the lives of others. In fact, last Sunday was week three. It was entitled Born with a Purpose. Because no matter what you may think about yourself or what other people might think about you, what matters most is what God's word says about who you are. And what your destiny is. Just like Jesus found his destiny in scripture and it was confirmed prophetically. There are many prophetic scriptures about us. Before you were ever born, God knew you. He created you and he has a plan for you. And in this final message, it's entitled Born for Relationships. Because here's the truth. Jesus could have come to the earth any way he wanted to. Uh, you know, Adam and Eve were just created and just already adults, but he chose to come to the earth to be a part of a family. And his family on, on the you know, surface wasn't even the most well-put-together family. We know uh, as Christians he was born to the Virgin Mary, but y'all, he was born before there was rants and raves or the Internet. But how many of you probably realize not everybody trusted that Mary got pregnant by the Holy Spirit? Some people probably talking around Bethlehem. Because they were not yet married when she became pregnant with him. And so he was born to a young mother in what on the outside might have looked like a dysfunctional family. And into a very meager start. You know, born in a manger. And so no matter your upbringing or your family or your last name or your bank account, you have value because God gave you the gift of life. 
And Jesus gave us the example that relationships were so important that he was born into a family just like we were. I know it's the holidays, so sometimes we get to see family that we don't see. Anybody else excited to see relatives you usually only get to see on Cops or Jerry Springer? (laughs) Just me? All right, that's awesome. And no matter what your family might look like, those relationships are vital. They are valuable. Then when we talk about relationships, it's something that the enemy wants you to think, maybe because of what's happened in your past or what trauma you've dealt with through relationships, that maybe that's not for you. And there's a lot of people that at this time of year actually feel very alone. And I want to begin by asking a question in this walk of life, why walk alone? Jesus didn't do it. Even though he knew he was going to the cross, he chose not to just go through life alone. And the reality is more people than ever before in human history can be in a crowd of people and still be alone. Do you know what I mean by that? Sometimes we don't even realize alone. We think we're connected to somebody. And I'm so glad the kids are in here today. Y'all, they don't bother me if they move around, they make noise. I'm just glad they're in church. Come on, somebody. And it's special to get to have them in service with us every now and then. But I want them to hear this. Because I don't want my kids or your kids or this next generation to think that every meaningful relationship just happens electronically. You need people in your life. That, that can look you in the eye and, and let you know that, that you're loved, you're valued. But that can also let you know, hey, you're doing something that's not good for you. You're, you're involved in something that's destructive. You need people that you trust that can, can speak, share the good moments with you, but can also speak truth to you. And you need somebody in your life that you trust to tell you no. Can I hear an amen? And sometimes you need that a little more forcefully than a text message or an emoji. And we need that personal interaction. And so these relationships are so important. One of the wisest people to ever live, the Bible called him the wisest man ever, of course, until Jesus was born, King Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes, if you'll look with me in your notes at Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 8, it says, there was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. And some of you may relate to this. You work a lot, you do a lot, but you start to look around and you say this, for whom am I toiling? What is this all for, he asked. And why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. And when it comes to relationships, our society is kind of stacked against us. And I don't believe that's by accident. The enemy doesn't always attack you just head on in a, in a real, you know, forceful, forward way. Sometimes he's sneaky and discreet. And the devil, when he cannot destroy your life, he'll just try to distract you from what your real life is supposed to be. And there are some things in our life that can cause us to think relationships aren't as important as they really are. I want to share with you five things, if you'll write these down with me in your notes, that can really hinder our ability to have godly, biblical, and healthy relationships. The first thing is the word naivety. And some in our production saw this and thought it was the word nativity. It does look like it, but it's different. It's just being naive to the reality that you need people. Uh, You may be like some that just think, well, you know what? I'm just strong enough on my own. I'm, I'm a lone wolf, and I get that feeling, but that's really not how God created us, how he designed us. I heard the account of Muhammad Ali. Anybody remember the boxer, Cassius Clay, Muhammad Ali? Got any people? All right, I know who the oldest people are in the room. Awesome. Uh, no, he's one of the greatest sports figures to ever live, one of the greatest fighters, very tough man and could handle his business. And he actually kind of got arrogant about who he was and what he was able to do so that one day there's an account of him being on an airplane and he got into a confrontation with uh, the flight attendant who... He was told they were coming to some turbulence and he needed to sit down and buckle his seatbelt. And he said, well, little lady, Superman does not need a seatbelt. To which she replied, no, sir, and Superman does not need an airplane either. (laughs) I'll let that sink in. Uh, But that's how we feel sometimes. We think we're stronger than we really are and that we can just handle everything on our own, and if not, we're not careful, we'll find ourselves 
so guarded that we've blocked out even people that, that love us and that care for us. And so the second thing that can get in the way is our temperament. Uh, you know, we might know we need relationships, but we just think, you know what, I'm just not wired that way. I used to be that way a lot. It may surprise you, but I was very shy when I was younger. I, I did not like speaking to people, especially strangers, so it was hard for me to build relationships. And I had to go to a new school several times, and that was tough. I mean, if you know that feeling of walking into church for the first time or into a school or into a new job or whatever it might be and just feeling like everybody's watching you, everybody's talking about you. You know, Have you ever been walking in front of people and you get self-conscious about what you look like walking? Am I the only one? You're like, why are my legs doing that right now? You, know, just, you, you get awkward feeling that everybody is concerned with you, and, and really you're probably the only one paying any attention to any of it. And I want to give you some biblical encouragement about dealing with thinking, well, that's just not my personality, that's just not my temperament, so I'm not good at relationships. Let me give you three Hebrew words that are on the screen. Get over it. It's not really Hebrew, but it's still good. And it's what we need to do to realize there's a lot of things about my personality that, y'all, I was born with before Jesus made me born again. And I don't want to be like the old me. I want to be like who Jesus created me to be. Anybody with me on that? So if you want to be like Jesus, you want to do what Jesus told us to do. And he made it very clear. Relationships are so important. Again, he was born into a family. He knew uh, what it was like to have a mother that would hold him. And basically a stepfather that cared for him. And, and he you know, had all these friends, disciples, who... Y'all, a lot of them failed him. One guy betrayed him. Another guy doubted him. Another one denied him. And they all bailed on him when he needed them the most. But that didn't make him give up on relationships. So at some point, we got to get over these things. And one of the things that holds us back is the next blank in your notes. It's the word fear. Uh, just like Jesus, we're like, we've had friends that just, they talked bad about me. They weren't there when I needed them. And so we're, we're afraid to enter into relationships. We're like, I don't know what they're going to think. What if they find out, I don't want to go to, I need a ministry like Celebrate Recovery, or I want to be in a small group where I can get to know people, but if I get to know people, they're going to get to know me. And what if they don't like me? What if they find out that I struggle with stuff? Isn't it silly how we pretend sometimes on Sunday to be all put together when we just barely made it into the parking lot? I wonder how much more we would see real life change if we would just be more real with one another. And it's that fear that makes us think we've got to put on this facade, this front. I want to share with you a quote by C.S. Lewis. It's not in your notes, but it'll be on the screen for you. Uh, the famous author, he said, Friendship is born at the moment when one man says to another, What? You too? I thought I was the only one. And isn't that a beautiful sentiment to think? You feel like you're the only one struggling with that pain. You're the only one dealing with that trauma. That if they found out what you said or what you thought, aren't you glad God knows your every thought and loves you anyway? He knows everything you've ever done, good or bad, and would die for you all over again if he had to, but he doesn't have to. We place our faith in him, and we can overcome that fear with that kind of love. Perfect love casts out all fear. The next thing that is hard to get past in relationship is our past, specifically our past experiences. Well, I've been, I've been through this pain, and I, I'm so, my heart is heavy for those of you that have felt the trauma of divorce, abuse, rejection, neglect, any of those sort of things. I'm so sorry. And unfortunately, this time of year can sometimes, the enemy will try to like bring those up. Because, you know, we're seeing all the, the families out doing their thing and taking all the photos they put up online. Did y'all know there's a story behind a lot of those photos? In all the Christmas movies, y'all, real life ain't like those movies. Maybe like that one scene in Home Alone where everybody forgets they have a child. That's real life. But the rest of those movies, that's not reality. You know, life is, is messy and it's tough. And I need you to hear something. The pain you experienced in your past, the enemy was not just trying to attack that relationship. He was trying to attack every relationship you would ever have. By making you feel like this one's going to turn out just like that one did. Some people have difficulty believing in a heavenly father because they did not have a good relationship with their earthly father. Do you see how the devil will try to attack other relationships through past relationships? 
Don't allow those lies to overcome the truth of God's word. And do not let your past determine the the blessings that God has for your future and for today. This final item is something that is sneaky. Again, it's where the enemy comes against us before we realize it. It's the word busyness. Yeah, and I heard some of the groans in the crowd. Even at this time of year when Jesus is supposed to be the focus. And y'all, I hear Christians say it all the time. Oh, but Jesus is the most important thing. And then you run around like a chicken with your head cut off. Acting like you got to do everything else except stop and focus on Jesus. And we, we think, oh man, if our kids don't get exactly the gifts they want or if we can't keep up with that family or my family doesn't look as nice as they do or I don't have enough friends or enough people to hang out with, whatever, we shouldn't say Jesus is all we need and that not be a true statement. Don't get so busy that you really forget what he's done for us and why we really do celebrate this time of year. It's not just a cute thing we do. And I don't ever want to be distracted from who he is. And busyness will distract you from those vital relationships in your life. And let me just speak from my heart as your pastor, your friend, uh, for just a moment. I see it all the time. I see families. I see spouses. I see children and parents who they love one another. But hear this. They just don't know each other anymore. They've gotten so busy and, and we'll believe the lie, well, I'm doing this to provide for them, or I'm doing this to, for them. But y'all, if it was for them, then let's spend time with one another. That's the most precious thing that we can give, the most precious gift we can give other people. It's just your presence. The best present is your presence. And don't believe the lie of the enemy that you got to have all the things. Amen? That's a lie from the enemy, and just culture has twisted what the truth really is, and We don't want to get so busy that it impacts our relationships and our decisions. Let me talk with you in the heart of this message about relationship decisions as the Word of God speaks to it. And I want to speak a lot from the book of 1 Peter chapter 4 about what the Apostle Peter, who, man, that guy was an interesting friend to have. You ever have somebody, they're your best friend one day and your worst enemy the next day? I mean, he was a guy that would go, you know, Jesus, I would die for you. And then he's like, I'm going to chop off people's ears for you. And then I don't even know you. All in the span of like three days. And we need to make sure we're not just saying, well, you are most important to me. We're not just saying this relationship is so valuable to me. But that we're making decisions that back up the truth that we know to be true. In 1 Peter chapter 4, look with me at Verses 7 through 11. That first line is so important. Peter writes, the end of all things is near. And church, I hope that we have established very clearly that Jesus Christ could come back at any moment. And the reality is, a lot of us probably have people in our hearts that we wish were here this Christmas. How many of you know, even if Jesus Christ doesn't come back tomorrow, we're not promised tomorrow. Your loved ones are not promised tomorrow. And we should not take any day for granted The end of all things is near, he writes. Therefore, since you know that, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray, so that you can focus on your relationship with God and your conversation with him. And then verse 8 starts with two words, above all. And in my Bible, I underline those two words because, y'all, every scripture is valuable. But whenever it says above all, you need to pay a special attention to, to what it's about to say. And it says, above all, it doesn't say when the end is near, figure out how to fight against the enemy. When the end end is near, make sure you got all the bullets and all the beans and be prepared. It says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Are any of you grateful that Jesus knows your worst moments? And if anybody had a right to hold it against you, he would. Because he's never done any wrong. And he's the one, the quickest to forgive us. The one who, we don't deserve it. He gives it so freely, his forgiveness. And so we should love each other with that kind of love, above all else. And then it says in the next scripture, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. You know, it's not really hospitality if you complain about it while you do it and after you do it. 
Well, they didn't ever even say thank you. Well, did you do it for the thank you or did you do it out of love? And let this not just be something we're reminded of at Christmas when people are opening doors for one another and saying Merry Christmas to one another and all those things. Let's do this every day. Offer hospitality without grumbling. And then verse 10 says, Each of you, not just a few select of you, not just 20% of the congregation, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Various forms means the gifts God has given you is not going to look like anybody else's. Did you know no one else in human history has had your exact experiences and lived exactly the life you've lived? And that's why you're so vital to God's plan and his kingdom. If you would realize that and and let that be lived out in your life. Verse 11 says, If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. And that's why I would just... Say, let's be very careful. You better not speak for God unless you know God has spoken to you. We need to be careful with our opinions. And it goes on to say that if anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. We just sang that. Jesus is why we do all this. He deserves all the glory, and he shares his glory with no one. So even when it comes to our relationships, the way we treat one another should not just be based on how they treated you, but on how Christ has treated you. You'll react the way his word tells you to react. You'll respond the way the Bible instructs us to respond. We won't just do things because that's my temperament, or I don't know better or I'm afraid of what will happen, or I've had bad past experiences, or I'm just too busy. We make time for the things that matter to us. Amen? And it's time to take these matters into our own hands. This this is the last message in this series, but if we were going to do another one, it would be all about that you were born with a certain amount of time. And I'm certain that time matters. And so let's not waste it in things that don't matter so much, that are secondary Let me give you four scriptural truths that can help you in your relationship decisions to be a reflection of what this says in 1 Peter 4. And I'm going to show some scripture to back it up of how this can empower our relationships to be scriptural, biblical, and healthy the way God designed them to be. The first thing that we need to do is we need to learn to nurture our important relationships. Nurture those relationships that are most important. Again, we don't need to say, next to God, my family is the most important thing. I hope you know this. I love you very much. And I take very seriously being a pastor, but you're not even second place in my life. God is first. My wife is second. My kids are third, and you fall in line somewhere after that. And I love you, and I wouldn't be doing you any favors if it was out of order. I wouldn't be setting a godly example for you. And so I want you to be the same way. Your job is not second place in your life. Your career, uh, your friends, whatever. If you're you're married, your spouse is second. Your family is important. And y'all, the family of God is important. You know, if you don't have kids, whatever, you still have relationships that you know you need to nurture. And it talks about nurturing them because they deserve our attention. They, They... They shouldn't be ignored. They shouldn't be secondary. Colossians chapter 2 verse 19 says it this way. They have lost connection with the head from whom the whole body, this is Jesus, supported and held together all the ligaments and, and sinews and it grows as God causes it to grow. Does anybody believe that if we'll do things the way God told us to do them, he'll do what his word says? And if you'll stay connected to Jesus Christ, and if Jesus will be the head of all of your relationships, did you know God can cause him to grow in a way that will bring him glory and be for your good? Or you can try to do it your own way, and you'll lose your head. Trying to figure things out, trying to do it on your own understanding. Isn't it much better to do things the way the Bible says to? And it says nurture those important relationships. Don't lose that connection with what's most important, first and foremost. The second thing I want to submit to you is to learn to restore broken relationships. To say that I know that I was born for relationships and I don't want to lose valuable relationships if, if I can at all avoid it. 
Now, there's some relationships that fall into a different category, and we're going to address those next. But there are sometimes, have you ever fought with somebody and you're still mad at them, but you don't remember why you even started fighting in the first place? And that's so sad. I see parents and children not talk for years. I see siblings that don't get along over, I'm just going to say it, money issues, inheritance issues are secondary issues. And there are sometimes that we just need to, to do our best to restore these relationships. And the Bible gives good advice in Romans chapter 12, verse 17 and 18. It says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. So look, I'm not saying you got to let somebody just walk all over you and be their doormat, but you don't have to respond the way the devil wants you to. And you don't have to respond in an evil way just because they're acting evil. It says, be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And then this next scripture, is there's so much wisdom. It says, if it is possible, and I underline this in my Bible, as far as it depends on you. You may not can control that other person's bad attitude or their bad actions, but you're responsible for your own bad attitude and bad actions. Amen? Amen or oh me, I don't know. As much as it's possible, and I know sometimes relationships are estranged. Maybe they've moved away. You don't even know how to contact them anymore. That's a different scenario. Maybe they've passed away, and there's just no... Uh, you know, possibility for restoration of both parties. We talk about this in freedom a lot because it's talked about in the Bible a lot, and I want you to hear it a lot, that you can forgive somebody whether or not they receive it. And you may be thinking, well, by not forgiving them, I'm, I'm really showing them. And all it's doing is pouring poison in your own heart. And I'm trying to say, let go of them and realize that you've been holding yourself back from things that God wants to bless you with. He's got way better things than those painful memories or those old wounds. Just give it over to God and say, I, I'm, I'm not living this way anymore. Instead, live at peace with everyone. And know this, you can forgive someone and not give them access to harm you anymore. And that's what the next thing is about. Number three is we need to learn when it comes to relationships, the right time to sever any harmful relationships. And to sever, I mean, it's a, it's a harsh word because it means that you got to cut some things off. And you don't need to play around with it. You don't need to say, oh, but I think he's changed. It's been 30 seconds and I think he's changed. No. Sometimes people need to produce fruit. You know, it's one thing to be faithful. Being faithful doesn't need to be an excuse for not being fruitful. If they can't produce any action to back up their words, you don't need to trust their words. And I want to give you several scriptures because this is a very delicate but important issue when it comes to relationship is knowing godly wisdom of when to, to deal with relationships the right way. And I'll tell you, you won't go wrong standing upon the word of God. So, Again, Solomon, one of the wisest people to ever live, but God bless him, he had some relationship issues. 700 wives, 300 concubines. Does that sound like, that's a whole Jerry Springer episode right there, or a whole season. I don't even know what's wrong with that guy. But he does write some words inspired by the Holy Spirit in the book of Proverbs that can teach us about relationships. So he says, a mirror reflects a man's face, but what he is really like is shown by the kind of friends he chooses. And notice that word, chooses. You don't get to choose what family you're born into, but you do get to choose what kind of people you hang out with, what kind of friends you allow to speak into your life, what kind of influences you allow to be influencing your decisions. And the Word of God says that's what you're really like. It goes on to say in Proverbs 13, 20, walk with the wise and become wise. Such great advice. For a companion of fools suffers harm. And I see it all the time. People are like, I don't know why I keep making these bad decisions. I want to say it's because you keep getting bad advice from foolish people. If you're going through problems in your marriage, can I give you some godly advice? Don't hang out with people that like to cheat on their spouse. Don't take advice from them. I'm serious. Get godly wisdom from godly people or else you're going to get stupid advice from foolish people. That's the NIME version. But it's the truth. 
We need to listen to God's word. And if someone is sharing with you something that goes against the word of God, you'll suffer harm by allowing that to influence your life and your decisions. Those relationships matter. Who can speak into your life? And the Apostle Paul said it very clearly in 2 Corinthians 6.14. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? They shouldn't have anything in common. Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? A little later on, we're going to participate in communion together. And I want you to really allow the Holy Spirit to reveal to you. Are there things in your life that God doesn't want in your life? Then why are you choosing to let them be there? Are there relationships that are harming your relationship with God? It may be time to make a decision in those relationships. And you can speak the truth in love, but you still got to speak it. You got to do something about it, or else you don't need to be complaining to God that it's doing something harmful to you. The last thing that I want to speak to is how that after we learn to sever harmful relationships, it's important to know how to initiate. That's a key word. Everybody say initiate. A lot of times we keep thinking, man, I just wish God would fix all my problems. And man, has not Jesus done enough for us? There are things that the Bible says we are to do, to be obedient to God, be doers of the word, not just hearers only. And there are times we have to initiate some meaningful things in our life. And I want you to be encouraged and challenged to initiate some meaningful relationships. Don't let naivety, you thinking you can do it on your own. Don't let fear or rejection from your past or just the busyness of life. Don't let your personality be an excuse for not having godly, God-given, blessed relationships. It'll be a blessing to you and that God will use you to bless other people through as well. You need to learn to initiate. Take the initiative. initiative. Hebrews chapter 10 says this in verse 25. It says... Don't give up meeting together. And notice what it says. They weren't not meeting together because they were under attack or it had been outlawed and made illegal. It says, don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Sometimes we just get bad habits. The devil's not fighting us as much as we're just not fighting for truth in our life. Husbands, one of the strongest acts of love you can show to your wife is to be willing to cancel anything for her if she needs you. And if you see that your relationship is straining because you're so busy, you take the initiative. Reschedule those appointments. Take her out on a date night. And, and wives, that's, that's a two-way street. I want to say this. Your spouse is more important of a relationship than even your relationship with your kids because your kids need to see you have a healthy, healthy relationship with your spouse. Parents, be that godly example to your kids friends and neighbors you know even if you're not married you you need healthy God-given relationships don't give up meeting together this isn't just talking about going to church it's talking about being together daily and it says but encourage one another don't let your habits don't let your busyness get you to where you don't spend time with those that are most important but encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching We're talking about Jesus coming to the earth and being born, but is anybody else looking for his soon return? I believe it could be any day, any moment, if I'm being honest. So this scripture is talking to us right now. Now, I just want to give you four relationships to challenge you to to work on. They're not in your notes, but they'll be on the screen if you'll write, write these down. First of all, I want to encourage you, initiate a healthy relationship with a church. And look, I hope it's Lakeview. I think that this happens to be the best church that I've ever been to. And I love you people. And I think everybody would be blessed by being here. But you know what? I'm comfortable with the reality. We might not be the church for everybody. And I'm not trying to compete with other churches. I'm sick of churches being like, well, we sing differently than they do. So come here. They preach better over here. Come over. No, just, y'all, aren't you glad God is not that way with us? He doesn't just throw us away as quickly as we throw away other family of God. Just build a relationship. And look, here's the deal. Here's how relationships work. Anytime there's people involved, you're going to have to know the other person is going to be messed up. And the other person's going to find out you're messed up too. It's no different with the church. As soon as you find the perfect church, let me know. I'll go there with you. So be willing to walk through 
the awkward conversations. Be willing to disagree and still agree that you love one another. Establish that relationship with a fellowship of believers. we got something called a growth track here that we're revamping this next year to where there used to just be online videos. And right now, if you've already submitted it, don't worry, we're going to reach out to you real soon after the holidays. But uh, from now on, I just want to meet people face to face. So there's going to be a registration form at growth at lakeviewpeople.com slash growth track. And when you register, we'll come to you. We're going to contact you, find out when works on your schedule. We got three pastors here. One of us will, will meet with you sometime when it's convenient for you. Pastor Mark has agreed to take the midnight to 3 a.m. schedule. So other than that, me and Clint will fill it. Uh, but seriously, y'all, you're important. We'll change our schedule. We want to get to know people. You're not just a name on a roll sheet to me. You're my family in Christ, and you have a purpose. I don't want you just coming, sitting on a chair and just breathing the air. I want you to be involved in your calling, and we want to help you find where that could be. That's what Growth Track's all about. It's more than a membership class. It's about taking that step of faith to be involved in relationships. It's about both parties, you know, giving of themselves to make it as healthy and as, as good as possible. The next step that you may want to take is have a relationship with a small group. We call them life groups around here, which stands for living in faith every day. And I love that we have groups that happen all days of the week, different times. Because y'all, not everybody can come to church on Sunday. Not everybody can come to church every week. You need to get involved. Let your guard down. Let some people in. The Bible speaks to it. Jesus said to do it. So we want to obey what he said. We have a life group leader meeting on January the 7th. It's going to be right after our services. This is both in Iowa Park and in Vernon, right after our 11 a.m. services. If you're interested at all, I challenge you, just check it out. It won't hurt you to check it out, but who knows what you might be missing out on by not being part of it. The next thing I want to encourage you is have a relationship with a team. And I use that word not just because we have a dream team here where people serve and are involved in outreach and ministries at the church, but, but you need people that you're working towards a goal together. That's biblical. That's scriptural. That's what the disciples did. That's the pattern that God gave to the church. And you want to be working with people, doing the work of Christ together. And we're going to be communicating more next Sunday. I'm going to share some specific ways you can get involved, just the vision God has given us for the year and days ahead. I challenge you to pray about being involved however you're able to be. And finally, but most importantly, I want to really challenge you to make priority your relationship with God. We've only got one week left in 2023. Anybody else feel that? One week left in this year. People make a lot of resolutions at the first of the year. Why not start today? Making God priority. Don't just say it. Show it. Schedule your time with Him. Protect your time with Him. You protect those that you love. Protect your relationship with God. Don't let the busyness of life get in the way. Let me give you some practical things that'll have a, a deep spiritual impact on your life if you'll do them. We've got a Bible reading plan here. You don't have to do ours, but do something to get in the Word every day. And here's a free resource we're trying to give away. You can download it. We've printed it for you. And just every day, there's a little bit of the Bible from the Old Testament, a little bit from the New Testament, and a little section that's either from Psalms or Proverbs. Easy, it takes about 15 minutes. I do it with my kids, and, and we, they, we're so proud they're reading the Word on their own together. And y'all, you can do this every day, and, and it's designed so that, you know, you don't just get stuck in the Old Testament, because there's some days you don't want to just be reading Leviticus about different skin diseases, okay? You need a little encouragement from Psalms or Proverbs that day. And so it's designed to be edifying to you and get you in the Word and, and get the Word in your life. The next thing I want to ask you to be a part of, I'm not just telling you about it, I'm asking you to participate in it, is our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And if you've never tried it, I'm saying, why not now? You know, making that kind of commitment, God will more than meet you halfway. When you say, your relationship, oh Lord, is so important to me, I'll get up early, I'll go, I'll go meet together. We meet every Monday through Friday during these 21 days. We'll start on January the 7th. On Sundays, we just treat it as our regular worship time as our gathering, so 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. Monday through Friday, we meet at 6 a.m. before people go to school or go to work. And then on Saturdays, we meet at 9 a.m. just to say, God, your priority. We, we study a little bit about prayer, but then we just pray together. We just seek his face. And God always, always meets with his people in a mighty way. We're going to do that in person here at our Iowa Park campus. And in Vernon, it's going to be in person at our office space at the Herring Bank on the second floor of the Herring Bank in Vernon. 
I encourage you, be a part of that. Make, make decisions now so that you can be involved with it. And then one final thing is next Sunday, I'm going to share with you the Revision 2024 message. Just going to share with you from my heart the vision God's put on my heart for our church for the year ahead. And I pray that you would be involved in it however God calls you to be because he's called us to do some great things. I love you, church. I'm very proud to be part of this fellowship of believers. But I believe what I say. Jesus is coming again. And we have a work to do. We want to be workers in the harvest, doers of the word. If anybody's in agreement with that, would you just say amen right there? Amen. We're in this together. And we want to do as much as we can for Jesus before we see him again face to face. Now at this time, I want to shift gears and do something very serious together to close this message. And what a beautiful tradition to do here on Christmas Eve. To participate in communion honor this time, could I ask everyone to stand and just begin to get your communion elements ready. I know it may take a moment to kind of just unwrap it there, but please don't be distracted. I want you to hear my heart. When we talk about being in communion with God, it speaks to our relationship with Him. If you're in this place and you're not actually in a place where you're in a good relationship with God, that's the most important decision you could ever make. And what a blessing it would be, how amazing it would be if on this Christmas Eve you would say, I'm tired of just playing church or just tired of just saying I'm a Christian. I, I want to go all in. Jesus gave all for me. He paid it all. And I want to make the commitment to him that he deserves. And give my life to him and live my life for his glory to share the news of Jesus Christ with others. I want to ask everybody to bow your heads and please close your eyes just so this can be personal between you and God. And if you're in this place or you're watching online and you say, I have not ever really given my life to God, or I know him, but I know that I've not been really living for him, and I need to make a rededication. I need to get back on the right track. If you fall into either of those categories and you want to make a decision, God bless you. Some of you are already raising your hands. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. If you're here, would you just raise your hand? I'd like to pray for you right where you're at. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Yes, God bless you. Lots of you. What, what a gift to God you are. Your honesty, your boldness. You can put your hands down. And I'm sorry, that just makes me emotional to see that I want you to know how loved you are by God. And God wants you to know what a purpose he has for your life. And he wants you to live it for him. Can we pray with these right now? And we're doing what the word says. It says before you take communion that we would, should examine ourselves. Let's do that right now. Examine our hearts so that we don't eat the bread or drink the cup in an unworthy manner. And if you need to make that commitment to God, just be honest before him. You don't have to repeat after me. Talk to him for real, from your heart. He's real and he's really listening. Tell him you're sorry you've sinned against him and you repent of it. Ask his forgiveness. Let's pray together that way. Heavenly Father, we just come before you open and honest that we have failed you. All have sinned against you, so we sure have. We've fallen short of your glory. But I thank you that you sent your son to be our sacrifice, the atonement for our sins. So right now we ask you to forgive us and I praise you that your word promises if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So now by faith in Jesus Christ, we, we receive your amazing grace and we believe by faith we are washed clean by your precious blood and we give our life and live as a new creation for you and your glory. In the name of Jesus, I pray, and all who would believe and receive that said, amen. I know you're holding stuff and can't clap, but man, I'm rejoicing with those that made that decision. God bless you. And could all of us just take the communion there as, as we've examined our hearts before God and done what the word has said to, to make ourselves right. I want to look in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 for the instruction given by the Apostle Paul. In verse 23, he said, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. So we're doing what Jesus did. He said, On the night when Jesus was betrayed, he took some of the bread. Would you take the bread in your hand? And gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your body that was broken. Thank you for the stripes you took on your back for our healing. We do this now to honor you in remembrance of you. In Jesus' name, would you take the bread with me?
the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood that was spilled on our behalf and that it has the power to wash us clean. We do this now to honor you and in remembrance of you. In the name of Jesus, would you take the cup together? Praise God. I'm going to ask the worship team to come and prepare. And Before you're seated, let me read this final scripture. It says, for every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. What you're really announcing, it's a play on words there because we know the truth. Jesus didn't stay dead. Amen. So what we're letting people know is we serve a risen Savior. We might be celebrating his birth, but he's no longer in a manger. He's no longer on the cross, no longer in the tomb. He's alive forevermore, seated at the right hand of the Father. And he's even praying for us right now. That's the Jesus we serve. So how could we not want to, to live and give our lives to him? We're going to sing one final song together. I'm going to ask you to be seated again. Get your candles out because this is a precious moment. But the reality is this song speaks to those who might be going through heartache and burdens during this season. I want you to know Jesus is with you. He is Emmanuel, God with us. So wherever you might be needing, whatever situation you might be going through, aren't you glad Jesus is with us? They're just going to set the atmosphere for worship once again. And then if you have a prayer need, I want to ask you a little favor. Before you leave this place, would you write it down on a connection card? Put it in an offering box as you go. We're going to pray over those needs every day of 21 days of prayer. And if, if you do me this honor, be as specific as possible. And if you give us the opportunity, we'd love to come pray with you in person. If you'd let us know what the need is. Y'all, sometimes the Bible says we have not because we ask not. Jesus is all we need. And he ministers to, to one another through us, through his body, the body of Christ. And I'm believing for God to do great things as his people pray, because he is with us. Amen. Could we pray together and let's sing out and worship him together. Lord, how we love you. And I thank you for your word that reminds us of who you are and all you've done for the precious gift of your son, Jesus Christ. And right now, just as a small gift to you, we want to worship you in spirit and in truth. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And all God's people say Amen. Would you get your candles out and can we sing out to the Lord from our hearts in spirit and in truth? Gathered around the table, so much to be thankful for. It's Christmas, oh how I've missed this. But through the joy and laughter, you can feel the sadness. This Christmas, everyone's not with us. It's a time of year when happiness and cheer won't be enough to get me through the night. And I need a wonderful counselor. The Peace, who is strong enough to carry me even? 
we love you and I hope you know God loves you even way more than I do so I just want to pray a blessing over you before we're dismissed but again if you have a need would you take time to write it down you know that relationship we have with one another even if we just met even if you're a guest God loves you and the the people of God want to want to be there for you as we can be and uh, let's just do our best to shine that light every day everywhere we go Would you stand with me all over this place and let's pray. God, I just speak over your people, my family in Christ. Lord, that our relationships with one another would not just be based on our feelings or our preferences, but we would do this like your word says. We love because you first loved us. So thank you, God, for showing your love, not just saying it, but showing it. Now let us not just hear your word, but do it. Be obedient to it. And receive the blessings that you have attached to it. In the mighty name of Jesus. The greatest gift ever we pray. In Jesus name and all God's people said. Now would somebody give Jesus praise. Let's celebrate him today and every day. God bless you. And a big Merry Christmas from Lakeview. Go with God. You're dismissed.